talkradio.com. It's our duty to entertain you. <laughs> I said duty. To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. I blame this all on Kevin, DMU. Has anyone ever known a good person named Kevin? We, we hung out with, with Kevin from Alcohol by Volume. And he only says like three words. He, he's like really shy. He really talked to me. Towards the end of the night when he was drinking more, man, he, he was he was right there with us talking a mile a minute. Alcohol by Volume? I'm actually kind of drunk. Alcohol by Volume. Awesome show. You really want to get drunk? <laughs> Listen to that show. Because by hour two, he's blitzed. I'm bad. Oh, it's awesome. Because it's a beer show. Kevin's some stupid His Polish weird guy. Polish last name, yeah. Where's your dedication there, Kevin? Your own show or someone else's? Alcohol in my volume. Alcohol in my volume. I shove alcohol in my butthole. That's not it? It's nothing to do with butthole. I mean, can you even get drunk anymore? It's kind of like a drinking a vitamin. So you're blaming the drunker. Yes, I'm blaming the MLR drunker, Kevin. Hello, bartender. I have thought it over, and far from being a fat pig, you are very nice. And I would like another drink. Take a barf, drunkie! Good evening, everybody. It is Tuesday, August 6, 2013. This is Alcohol by Volume. I am your not-quite-drunk-yet host, Kevin. Ah, If you want to Skype into the show, Skype Alcohol by Volume, all one word, or you can call our fantabulous phone number, 862-345-7125. That's 862-ALCOHOL. You can also check out what we're talking about in the Facebook group. I will occasionally post things in there that are relevant to the show, beer-related, booze-related, or just generally interesting. Facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. You can, um, well, eh, fuck Google+. I'm not using it. <sighs> but if you want to check out my Google Plus page, tinyurl.com slash alcohol by volume. I've given up on that. Um, and of course... You can check out all the other wonderful More Like Radio shows, downloading them on iTunes under More Like Radio, morelikeradio.com slash downloads, or also on our new portal at morelikeradio.org. The song that introed the show today, at the very beginning, that was a new track from Static Silence. Some of you may remember Static Silence from the MLR live event. That song was called When It's Over. Uh, follow them on Facebook, uh, check them out on Twitter. Uh, good guys, good band. I love their music, so check them out. Uh, and of course, there's always the alcohol by volume beer tasting list. I actually added some stuff to there recently. I finally got off my ass and did a little bit of that. It is at tinyurl.com slash ABV beer tasting. You can, uh, it, it's an open spreadsheet. You can add your beers to the list, you know, mark your name beside it. If you you know have a particularly good review on there, maybe I'll uh, read it on the air or something like that. But I figure it's a good resource to help us all figure out what the hell's good and what the hell's shit out there. Um, so I guess that's that's all the business aside. Uh, apparently, last Thursday was IPA Day, which well didn't really mean anything for me, partly because well. 
my my well-known dislike of IPAs. And secondly, I'm actually trying to be a little bit more responsible during the week, with the exception of Tuesday, and um, trying to trying to cut back on my drinking ever so slightly. And I'm finding I actually have more money in my pocket because of it. But um, let's see, I had a beer yesterday, had a few over the weekend, didn't have, but between my last show and Saturday, nothing, 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 nothing. So I've been, I've been doing good on that. I think I'm appreciating the stuff I'm drinking more. And, and Mitch has a fantastic quip in the chat. IPA day, more like IP out terrible beer day. And it's actually kind of funny because completely out of character for me, I do have an IPA here in my bucket next to me. Uh, let me see if I grab the right one. Yeah. Haven't opened it yet, but I found it in the build a six pack section. I was almost tempted to pick up a four pack of it until I saw the individual. It is from Thomas Creek Brewery in Greenville, South Carolina. It's their Castaway Chocolate Orange IPA. Now, again, I don't like IPAs, but there have been some I've wanted to, you know, I've sought out that I want to try. I know Stone has a coconut IPA coming out. I know there's a coffee IPA out there somewhere. And I figured... I've had chocolate orange beers before. I think I had uh, chocolate orange... Ah, fuck. Fuck, fuck, fuck. I'm trying to remember the brewer now. It might have been something from Saranac. I think it, I think it was one of Saranac's um, like larger bottles, uh, more limited brew kind of thing. But it was a chocolate orange kind of thing, but I, it was a porter or a stout. This time, I saw the chocolate orange and IPA. So I'm going to give it a try during the show. I'm not expecting much, but maybe it'll be one of those rare IPAs that I actually like. Who knows? I'm hoping the chocolate and the orange work, you know, with the IPA-ness of it. Um, Mitch said he had an IPA last week, or Pale Ale, Smithwick's Pale Ale from the makers of Guinness. Terrible, absolutely terrible. Um, I know... some Like, some of the Pale Ales, like Sierra Nevada's Pale Ale, I really like that. But that's not an IPA, so it's not like that overly hoppy kind of thing. There are some pale ales that are fantastic, but once you get into the IPAs, no, God. So, But right now, I'm finishing up a bottle of Kuka Banana Nut Brown Ale. Ale brewed with maca root, real real bananas, natural banana flavor added. And I've had this before. I've mentioned on the show before. It's pretty good. It it was just one of those. I did my build a six-pack, and then I just wanted to look for something else that I hadn't had in a while. But anyway, so yeah, last Thursday was IPA Day, which I guess it was founded back in 2011, and ah, let's see, not the brainchild of a corporate marketing machine, nor is it meant to serve any particular beer brand. It's just another, you know, kind of beer holiday, and it just happens to be centered around IPAs. Um, you know, tastings, hashtags on Twitter, you know, hashtag IPA Day all over the place. Um. Yeah, I mean, it, festivals were going with it, things like that. I I didn't pay much attention to Twitter that day, admittedly, so I didn't really see a whole lot of the hashtagging of it. But so that that was that was something that was that was one of those events. Um, it actually kind of tied in a little bit to IPA Day. Uh, Dogfish Head, they apparently they got 
they got this voicemail from some lunatic woman that apparently really likes their 90 minute IPA. Um, and they decided to put the voicemail message on YouTube. So let me see if I can cue this up here. Here we go. Oops, sorry. Thanks for calling Dogfish Head. Sorry you missed your call. Leave us a message. I just wanted to tell you that I am sitting here drinking a Dogfish 90 Mint Imperial IPA, and I just want to tell you that you are the awesome American made beer. You rock out loud. Sprinkles and a motherfucking unicorn. You rock. Thank you. Okay, so maybe we can get uh, sprinkles and a motherfucking unicorn to be our new saying or something. I don't know. But that's exactly why I don't make phone calls when I'm drunk anymore. Because imagine if I had the phone numbers for breweries just sitting around and, well, say I ran into something I hated, I'd probably be on the news the next day. Um, But yeah, so Dogfish had put that out. They tied it into some of the IPA Day celebration. Uh, When I first listened to it, I thought it was going to be a little bit more crazy, but eh, still, still a little bit strange there, but eh, to each their own. Uh, Okay, so like I said, this week uh, I had uh, the Kuka Banana Nut Brown Ale, but this weekend I also finally tried Red's Apple Ale. Uh, I was it uh, from Miller Coors. I did not get a whole six-pack. I found it available in the build a six-pack, so I figured, eh, okay, what the hell, grab one, and if I like it, then later I can get a full six-pack. And I didn't hate it. It it was a lot more cidery than I was expecting it to be. Definitely sweet. But if you're in the mood for apple flavor, it, it's not bad in a pinch. I would probably more prefer, um, you know, a regular cider like Angry Orchard or something like that. A little bit more bite to it. Whereas the Reds, it had more of the sweetness, less of the bite. So, not definitely not as bad as I was worried it was going to be. And I know some of the people in the chat and on Twitter and everything were kind of talking it up. And it, it it's it's definitely not as bad as I was thinking it was. Is it something I would want a lot of? Probably not, just because of the sweetness. So I was glad I got it in that build a six pack. In another build a six pack, maybe I'd pick up two bottles. But I don't think I'd want a whole six pack for a weekend. It, I would. I think I'd get sick of it by bottle three. Uh, in addition to that, I picked up a uh, Perry or a pear cider, Sir Perry's Berry Strawberry Flavored Perry. Say that fucking five times fast. And uh, not bad. Came in a can. Um, wasn't, you know, nothing terribly unique about it. I, I don't have a lot of pear ciders, but this one had a decent enough taste to it. The strawberry wasn't too overwhelming. You know, balanced between the pear and the strawberry and all that. So, um, and I, as far as I could tell, that one was a genuine perry because I guess there's a difference between a genuine perry or pear cider versus a pear flavored apple cider or something like I, I know I, I've mentioned it on the show before in the past. 
but there's some, especially in England, there's like a legal distinction between the naming of the two. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of like how you, you know, um, a, um, fuck, uh, like the monastic brands of beer, um, you know, under certain regulations to be legitimate, stuff like that. So Perry has kind of that same thing going on there. Uh, and then, uh, as I mentioned, I got that Thomas Creek chocolate orange IPA, which I am going to crack open next in a second. Just killed off the, the Kuka. But the last thing I got was a, actually a big surprise for me. I saw it in the build a six pack section. I'm like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't come to terms with anything else to pick up. I wasn't feeling an oatmeal stout. wasn't feeling like coffee stout. wasn't feeling a bunch of like summertime beers and stuff like that. And I saw a Budweiser black label. I was like, okay, eh, let me give it a try. What the hell? It's one. I'm not buying a whole six pack again. You know, I little risk when it comes to the, the build a six pack. So if I remember correctly, it's six uh, percent alcohol, so it's a higher alcohol level. And if I remember correctly, it is supposed to be the twelve brewmasters in or the twelve head brewmasters in Budweiser got together to make a brew, and the black label was what they came up with. And when I tasted it. It's hard to describe, but it reminded me of how I remember Budweiser tasting when I actually liked Budweiser. Now, if I cracked open a Budweiser now, um, you know, I, I, I would think, you know, oh, okay, this is, eh, you know, taste watered down, whatever. And then the the black label is, it's the perfect memory of how I remember Budweiser. It was it was actually surprisingly good. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a simple lager. There's nothing special about it. But it was just, it was a decent beer. And I would actually pick up a six-pack of that at some point, you know, or another when I'm just not in the mood for, you know, something like, you know, Purple Haze or, you know, whatever other, you know, different, you know, if I'm not in the mood for a stout, if I'm not in the mood for a fruit beer, if, if I just want a straight up lager and you know, black label, you know, I'm going to find Budweiser pretty much everywhere. So that was, that, that was one of those surprises. And it, it's, it's evidence that you can't necessarily, like I do sometimes just dismiss big beer out of hand. Yeah. You know, it's big beer, you know, corporate man and all that shit. But this one was actually pretty decent. I was pleasantly surprised and, you know, it took took me back a bit. I was feeling a little bit of nostalgia from that. Uh, let me, while I pause here, let me open up the Thomas Creek here. Let's see, get my live reaction out of this. See how it smells here. Okay, <laughs> it smells extremely hoppy. God damn it hate that. I mean, and I know I know the hops are supposed to provide that aroma, but oh, I, oh it just gives me that uh, chill feeling. I don't like that. Oh. Okay. Taste-wise, son of a bitch. Taste-wise, I'm getting nothing but hoppiness out of it. I'm 
getting a little bit of citrus out of it, but I'm not getting any, any chocolate out of it whatsoever. So I'm extremely glad that I did not buy a four pack of this. Ugh. Ugh. So, yeah, uh, Thomas Creek Chocolate Orange IPA gets a thumbs down. I'm still going to fucking finish this. I'm not stupid. But especially considering eh, 7.5% alcohol, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll help me um, get through part of the show here. And going back to Budweiser, Mitch in the chat, he said he always remembered Bud and Michelob and Coors all tasting like corn to him, but still used to drink them. And it's, it's weird. I, I, I'm trying to think like the best way I could articulate the way I remember beer tasting back then. Uh, but, uh, I don't know, like cer- certain ones like Coors and Miller always had a more blah taste to me than Bud- Budweiser did. I don't know why. Um, I don't even know if I ever had Nickelodeon. Never had uh, Paps Blue Ribbon at any point that I remember. Uh, I was pretty much, you know, Budweiser, Bud Light most of the time. But... I don't know, the, the black label, it just, for some reason, it tastes to me like like Budweiser should taste instead of how it actually does taste, if that makes any sense. I know I ramble a little bit with that. I, I just I, I, go on, If you find it in the Build-A-Six-Pack, pick up a bottle, try it, and maybe you'll understand what the hell I'm talking about. Either that or I'm just talking out of my ass, but... I was, I, like I said, I was pleasantly surprised with it. It's, it's almost like it's a gateway to get me more comfortable again with some of the, some of the big beer offerings. It's like I know that there's some uh, Blue Moon seasonals that I want to jump into, and I've been reluctant with that because I don't know, I'm a fucking beer snob or whatever. And actually, there's a, there's a little news article. I think I have that. Yeah, uh, you know what, um, I'll, I'll get to that right after I finish these next couple of things here. Uh, first of all, this one is for Punchy. If you're listening out there, Punchy, Iron Maiden Trooper Ale, it's shipping this week. It has been confirmed. So keep an eye out for it. I will also keep an eye out for it for you. If I happen to see it, I will pick up a bottle and let you know. And, um, well, if you don't need it, I'll fucking drink it because I don't care. Ah, seasonal creep. The fall beers are already hitting shelves. I know I've mentioned that in the past couple weeks, how I've started to see the pumpkin beers making their way out already. And I I fucking swear that there are still some of last year's pumpkin beers on the shelves because one of the stores I go to, they have a, what I could best describe as a retired seasonal set of shelves. So basically right now they have a lot of the winter warmers, even some of the last year's Oktoberfest, and there are still some of the pumpkin brews there. You know, the the Weyerbacher Imperial Pumpkin, stuff like that. Because I know for damn sure, even though Weyerbacher is shipping Imperial Pumpkin within, like, these next couple of weeks, that one's been there for a while. So, if there's still stock from last year, and... God damn it. Companies, wait. At least wait until September. It's, we're still in what I 
consider almost, you know, the, the middle to latter part of summer. We don't need the pumpkin beers yet. We don't need them. Don't need the pumpkin beers, the autumn cinnamon nutmeg, all that shit. You know, hold off for a bit. There's actually a chain in Massachusetts, Craft Beer Cellar. They're not putting any fall seasonals on the shelves until September 1st. And that's the way to do it. That because otherwise if I if I see a pumpkin on the shelf right now, how am I to know if it's ship new or if it's from last year? There's one store maybe about a 5 minute drive from me that since last October, they've had a stock of Southern Tears pumpkin. I know that shit's not fresh anymore. And it's just been sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. And I don't know if pumpkin beers necessarily age all that well. But they got the stock there. And I'm not, I'm not going to spend, you know, $8.99 on a bottle to, you know, try just in case. I'm not, not going to risk that, especially considering I love pumpkin and I don't want anything to kind of sully my taste of it. Uh, no disrespect to Sully from the Sully Show Sundays. Ah. Mm. Uh, and then this last one, uh, a little bit of, let's see, um, oh, did I not actually, ah, son of a bitch, you know what, didn't bring up this story, uh, there we go, this happened in, well, good old New Jersey here, ah, police, man drove drunk in burning truck, this is out of Lakehurst, New Jersey, Drunken driving charges have been filed against a southern New Jersey man, it's always fucking South Jersey, who authorities say was driving a box truck that was on fire and missing its front tires. Ah, Lakehurst police tell the Asbury Park Press that 36-year-old Michael Newman of Manchester was hanging partially out of the cab window because of a shattered windshield when he was stopped around 3 a.m. Saturday. Authorities say the truck had tree branches caught in it with fire and smoke coming below. Because the truck was driven on its rims, police followed the marks left in the road and traced his journey about 15 miles to the Route 70, Route 72 circle in Burlington County. They found the truck had driven across the circle, struck a tree, and drove through bushes. So let that be a lesson to you. Uh, don't drink and drive, especially if you are going to drive through a traffic circle and lose the tires on your vehicle and let it catch on fire. I'm actually kind of surprised it's not a Florida story. But then again, South Jersey is practically Florida in a way anyway. If you've been down there, you'll know what I'm talking about in some of the areas. So with that, I will jump into uh, one of the tidbits that I just teased before, but beer snobbery and everything. The um, let's see, gotta remember who. Uh, I want to make sure I'm attributing things right here. Uh, What's well, from uh, Blue Moon? They're saying to beer snobs, show some respect. Uh, apparently, Blue Moon, because of its status as a Miller Coors owned property, it's referred to technically by the uh, Brewers Association as crafty rather than craft beer, which basically means it's the companies that ex- exclude parent companies from the label. Um, you think of stuff like uh, Line and Kugels, um, uh, that uh, was it that that Wild Blue. 
that uh, both Marie and I have had before, that really sickly sweet blueberry. Well, Miller Coors, they've resisted putting their name on Blue Moon bottles. They have no plans to do so. Apparently, they mirrored a strategy that like Toyota used for Lexus, Hallmark Cards uses for shoebox greetings. You, know, you don't know who the parent company is, although you do, blah, blah, blah. But the part where Blue Moon kind of loses, or where Miller Coors kind of loses me, they said they were worried consumers might be confused when the weird, cloudy Blue Moon didn't look and taste like other Coors beers. So, in other words, our drinkers are stupid. And, uh, we don't think they can figure out the difference, you know, and what, what, you know, what's what with this. So, way to trust in the intelligence of your customers. I mean, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, let me see. I, I mean, let me think of, uh, an approximation here. Okay, okay. I'll pick up a Mountain Dew, but then I'll pick up a, uh, a Ruby Red Mountain Dew. I'll be like, well, this is Mountain Dew, so it'll taste the same. As I do my Brian Regan voice. And then I open it up and, oh my god, it's red! What what the fuck? Oh my god, I'm so confused, but it said Mountain Dew. Oh, I don't understand! People manage to figure that out, yet Miller Coors thinks that people can't figure out, oh, okay, this says Blue Moon. Oh, uh, Blue Moon from Miller Coors. Okay, so, okay, uh, oh, it's, 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 it's a Belgian white? Well, that, that, that doesn't sound like a Coors, so th- this, this is gonna be something different. I'm not confused, I'm intrigued, but they they apparently think Coors drinkers are stupid, and, well, judging by some of the YouTube videos up nowadays, they may be partially correct. Uh, now, it's true, I, I've i been guilty of this, you know, am I more likely to stay away from a beer if it has the parent company on the label like that? Yeah, I, I do that, and it helps me avoid the copycat crafty kind of garbage like wild blue like the problem with wild blue it's allegedly brewed by the blue dog brewery out of baldwinsville new york but blue dog brewery technically is a special group within anheuser-busch don't insult our goddamn intelligence just tell us where it's coming from i mean it the fact that they feel like they have to hide it just means that it 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 conveys the idea that they're trying to pull one over on us you know it, and like i said yeah i mean i i have not really i think i've had line and kugels maybe once since i you know discovered that you know they're big beer owned blue moon uh maybe once again since then however the difference is that for instance with line and kugels I found a better shandy in Porch Rocker than Summer Shandy was. And I'm trying to think if there's any other Line and Kugels that really jumped. Okay, um, the Snowfall Vanilla Porter that I know Mitch hates, but I did enjoy their winter seasonal. That's what I liked, even though it's by Big Beer. But it just feels deceptive that they're not disclosing where they're from. Blue Moon, same way. They're, they have an autumn, uh, I think it's like a caramel apple seasonal. And I like it. And I know I, I know from some of my other, um, like, beer drinking friends, you know, the foo- foodie kind of types and stuff, you know, that 
they're very specific with the craft beer and they want to stick to the craft beer and not drink the big beer. And I do get a little bit of shit when I do drink a Blue Moon or a Budweiser and stuff like that. And that's fine. To each their own. But just be fucking honest about it. Disclose the parent company. And who knows? That might actually help their fucking sales. You know, you got to think about it the other way around. When they don't disclose the parent company... They're supposedly fooling craft beer drinkers into purchasing the beverage, not realizing that it's from big beer. And you, you, you fool the beer snob. Think of it the other way around, though. Um, if you put Blue Moon from you know Miller Coors, well, your Miller drinker, Coors drinker, whatever, may take a look at Blue Moon and say, "Oh, this is by Miller, huh? I I, I like Miller. Th- this might be good." And now you've just, you know, pretty much you, you've doubled your market. You, you have the craft beer drinker that will still drink the, quote, crafty beers. But then you end up with the, you know, regular Joe that just you know, picks up the Miller and, the, you know, the Coors, Budweiser, stuff like that. And you suddenly expanded him into something else. But these businesses are obviously making a shitload more money than me and obviously know what they're doing and I'm you know I, I'm obviously talking out of my ass with it who knows you know like I said they they don't have any plans to put their name on the blue moon bottles and that's that's just gonna remain that way I mean lining lining kugels um, I'm trying to remember is lining kugels Miller Coors or uh, da, 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 da. let me go here I'm completely blanking. I want to say it's Miller Coors, but I could have completely forgotten over time. Uh, Well, that doesn't help me, son of a bitch. I don't know. I think think Line and Kugel is Miller Coors. But, I mean, obviously, it's Jacob Line and Kugel Brewing Company, blah, 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 blah. Uh... Yeah, I don't even. Uh, I don't even fucking remember. I th- I think I think it's Miller Coors. Um, yeah, eh, the internet's failing me right now, and I don't feel like wasting your time doing Google searches to prop up my faulty memory. But that is what it is. Um, before that one, I uh, had like some other kind of top top stories. This is one that, well, it doesn't really affect me, but might affect uh, some of you others that don't have stupid, stupid local laws. Uh, U.S. Postal Service, they are considering allowing alcohol deliveries. Up until now, you've only been able to ship alcohol via UPS or FedEx. And if you are shipping, you know, if you're shipping beer bottles and everything, and you know, wine bottles, but you know, spirits, whatever. Technically, if you're shipping it via those means, you're supposed to have a license to do so, a license to ship it, a license to receive it. A lot of people, particularly in beer trades and stuff like that, they don't do that. They just try and package really well when they ship. Uh, they you know may say something like, "Oh, yeah, I'm shipping yeast samples," which isn't entirely untrue. But, you know, there, there can be penalties if you're caught, you know, confiscate it, blah, 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 all that kind of shit. 
So USPS, I don't know yet where you know the regulation would come with it, whether it, you would have to be licensed to do it or what. But basically, we know, we all know the postal service. It's hemorrhaging money right now. It needs a new source of income. I mean, they. I want to say um, I can't remember what other show. I, it was either on. I want to say Dutch and Royce or Hippo Juice. They were talking about how they had to. They had a new slogan. They had printed out and everything for the postal service, and now they can't use it because some fucking busybody got offended. the The slogan was "In priority, we, tru- we trust." And somebody's like, ah, "Yeah, it's supposed to be in God we trust." Yeah, and you know, people bitch about that all the time. So, yeah, just another waste of money there. But this new source of income, if they allow alcohol deliveries, it could raise up to fifty million a year. Now, considering that they're in the whole more in the billions, that doesn't really help. Uh, I think what was it last year? I want I want to say it was like sixteen billion or something like that. So eh, this would help a little, but you know, I guess any little who knows with the government. But for the consumer, they could actually undercut UPS and FedEx with this. And if they made it more official you know, and legal to do so than um, UPS and FedEx do. But um, they also said, you know, we, uh, we're considering special flat rate packaging for the purpose of shipping bottles, which would be beautiful because then you're not, you know, juggling with a box within a box necessarily and, you know... I, you know, if I was shipping, I'd still bubble wrap every bottle and everything, but you have a less, you know, less chance of breakage and things like that. I, I read a story on Reddit today where this guy was shipping, I think it was like maybe $50 worth of beer and it was maybe about half that in shipping. And I think he, he got some kind of notice that it was being returned to him but he had to go pick it up and sign for it, and he didn't do it in time, so they just disposed of it. But I guess one of the bottles actually popped open in transit, soaked the entire package, it sat in the FedEx warehouse, started to stink, and they threw it out, allegedly. For all we know, the FedEx employees could have smelled it, opened it up, took out the beer. But either way, this guy is out 75 bucks. Um, and w- one, th- one thing that he probably should have done to save himself there was to actually have each bottle of beer in a separate sealed bag as well. So just in case there's breakage, it doesn't go everywhere, but that's neither here nor there. But if there, if he had you know one of these flat rate boxes, if he was doing it via UPS and didn't have to be all clandestine with it, it would, it would save that trouble. I mean, th- this would be a boon for beer of the month clubs and stuff like that. Um, Let's see. The Senate, they passed a postal reform bill last year that included a provision that would allow the Postal Service to deliver alcohol. The bill would require that such shipments would have to comply with any state laws where the shipment originated and was delivered. Now, that's where it gets kind of tricky, I'm assuming, with licensing and stuff like that. Um, The measure also said the recipient would have to be at least 21 years old and would need to provide valid government-issued photo ID upon delivery. That's totally fine. I don't see a problem with that. I mean, you know, you're going to get some smart kid who's thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to order a beer over the internet and have it shipped to me. And it's not necessarily going to work quite like that. But like I said, with me here in Jersey, it still does not help me. Took this from Wikipedia. 
New Jersey effectively prohibits the shipment of beer and spirits to customers by requiring a liquor license to transport alcohol, but not having any class of liquor license that grants permission to ship beer or spirits. Um, UPS and FedEx will ship wine to a person's home, but will only deliver beer or hard liquor to a licensed business. So that kind of fucks me over there. Now, could this law change if the Postal Service allows deliveries? Possibly. Because I think then the government would say, well, okay, this is money in our pockets now. If we change these laws, it benefits us. If they tried to change the laws now, it just benefits UPS and FedEx, and that doesn't help them at all. You, you know, they they would rather the money go into their pockets than into the uh, into the private private business sector. Uh, let's see. So I think that was about it for that. Um, make sure. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. And just so you know. Oh, this chocolate orange IPA is not getting any better. There are some like IPAs or just generally pale ales that I've had that I'm able to tolerate them the more that I drink. I am probably almost halfway through this bottle, and it's it's not any fucking better. It's a damn damn shame. Uh, uh, let me see what I want to do before break here. Um, you know, let me, this, this was a, um, kind of a little social experiment that the, uh, Schweppes beverage group, uh, carried out and it was in an Australian pub, apparently a a hundred year old Australian pub. And what they did, they completely cut out beer from what they were serving and they went cocktails only to see how the uh, locals would react. I actually posted uh, episode one of this in the Facebook group, uh, facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. This clip that I'm going to play here is from episode two because I, th- I think the reactions in this were a little bit better. I'm going to post the link in the chat too. If you're not in the chat, more like radio.com slash live. Uh, okay, make sure. Okay, yeah. Just want to make sure I didn't have everything muted like I sometimes tend to. So this is The Pub With No Beer, Episode 2, entitled Made With Love. Uh. Today we're going to turn the beer off for the first time in 100 years. And when our locals come in, we are going to offer them cocktails instead of beer. I'm Kristen Livesich. I've worked here now for probably And this is this is like a, just a pure pure pub. I, I mean this isn't some kind of, you know, nightclub or something. This is a rough pub. It is like a family. One of our regulars has something to say about everything. It doesn't matter what you do. Every single time it's it's not up to standard. They'll all knock off in you know, half an hour or so come down. They'll expect beer, but yeah. there's none. I don't know. They'll they warm to it. Hey, Mark, how are you? I have four stomach tanks left with the golf missile. And for anybody that's watching, I'm about the 54-second mark here. This guy that just walked in and the guy that's already sitting down at the bar next to him, these guys look like beer drinkers. They do not look like cocktail drinkers, which is kind of funny because I know some of this is edited out of order. 
and the guy on the right already has what looks like a mojito in his hand, and it looks completely, completely out of character for this guy. Uh, I'll pick it up here. I have to get uh, full of cocoa. You More. You got a coffee back? They're not selling beer, you see. with no beer. More is that? They get sort of stuck in there. <laughs> just stuck on stuff and won't change it. A cocktail from Muppet. A cocktail from Muppet. Fluffy duck. Uh, I've got one right here if you'd like. Try a fluffy duck. And the, the one guy that came in actually left because he did not want a cocktail. Meanwhile, this strange looking old dude glasses hat long hair some weird checkered brown sweater seems to be perfectly fine with his mojito <laughs> are we shocked are we shocked, <laughs> shocked. can I have a bee snow beer what about a uh, a mojito see that's that's kind of the right reaction this guy has in case you can't tell through the thick accent you know, they offered him a mojito, and he's like, well, has it got alcohol in it? She's like, yeah. He's like, okay, that'll do. So, this guy, professional drinker, I suppose. So, mixing drinks, I find it really interactive because, like, you get sort of get to know your customer a bit better. So, you know, would they like it sweeter? Do they like it more bitter? There's sort of a bit more to it than just pouring a beer. They go, enjoy. And for anybody that watches Bar Rescue, obviously there's a hell of a lot more to making a cocktail than there is pouring a beer. But even still, there is a certain art to pouring a beer right, and we see them fuck that up all the time on Bar Rescue. Yeah, he thinks it's refreshing. Something, something they really like instead of something yeah. they're just happy with. Like, that's what fun. I yeah. like it. So and in case you didn't hear that, the uh, old guy that was drinking the mojito before says, what would you know about, um, okay, let me go back. Initially, the guy says, made with love or lust. What would you know about lust, you silly prick? Then he replies about as much as I know about love. So these are these are friendly, friendly people at this pub here. <laughs> uh, okay, and that's pretty much pretty much it with this one here. Um, if I went into a bar like that, I'm not I'm not a cocktail guy when I go out. For the most part, for me, it's it's just too damn pricey. I mean, if I'm at an open bar at a wedding or something like that, okay, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll, you know, get myself, you know, whiskey, I'll get myself a white Russian, you know, but going out to a bar, I mean, the closest I do with that is, you know, getting shots at the MLR live event. Well, I guess those are technically more sort of half shots. Uh, you know, time I went out drinking with Dutch and Hammy, those were shots and a little bit of mix there. But most of the time, it's just too damn expensive. I mean, beer is expensive itself when you go out. Uh, of course, if it's some you know insanely complicated cocktail, like I've mentioned in previous weeks, and some of those beer cocktails and stuff. Okay, yeah, maybe I'll order one out at the bar, but then it's beer the rest of the time. But I, I was I was pleasantly surprised by some of the reactions of the people and how 
how kind of easygoing they were. It's like, eh, well, if it's booze, eh, I'm fine with it. I don't give a shit. Um, <sighs> let me see what else. Show prep, show prep, show prep. I try and be prepared and, well, eh, we, we all know how that goes. <sighs> Let's see. Oh, okay, this this is a this is a fun fun story to to take us into break, I suppose. A Chicago bartender attaches bottle opener to prosthetic leg. Uh, let's see if I have a picture of this guy somewhere. It's not that, not that. Well, I kind of have a picture of the guy, but it's uh, more of a picture of. Well, I guess his leg. So I'll post this in the chat here. And son of a bitch, it's one of those images that isn't an image, so to speak. Um, open image, a new tab. Maybe that'll work. I don't fucking know. Why does the internet have to be so weird with me? I don't care. Uh, just look, look, look up bartender fake leg bottle opener. You'll probably find a picture of this guy. Anyway, this guy, he lost his left leg in a horrific motorcycle accident back in 2009. He was only 20 years old. And apparently this wasn't the first time he tried modifying his prosthetic leg. Uh, He had a bottle opener magnetized on there, and he had to keep gluing the magnets on, and it would always fall off. He said it was big and clunky and annoying, and... He really started out after that with a makeshift wooden bottle opener until he found a perfect wall mount one and just bolted it onto the prosthetic leg. And he has it kind of just off his kneecap, so it's like it's not like he's putting his crotch in your face or something like that. Though I figure some people might enjoy that, I don't know. Um, but he affixed it around the kneecap for two reasons. There's that convenience factor of just being able to, you know, pr- you know, stand, you know, uh, do that Captain Morgan pose and, you know, stand his leg up and, you know, angle the knee for easy opening. And he didn't want to destroy the entire prosthetic leg fucking around with this. Makes sense. I guess the idea came to mind when he was on vacation with his dad. They grabbed some beers, sat on the couch, and didn't have a bottle opener. So his dad suggested bolting a bottle opener onto his leg. And the funny thing is, one, one thing I'm just noticing in the article, and actually, you know what, I'll copy the article and post this into the chat, is that for the um, for the photo op, the guy that's popping open a beer, it's a uh, Bud Light, which, as we all know, is a fucking twist-off top that you don't even need a bottle opener for. Come on, people! Do a little research, Jesus. But anyway, uh, the doctor or his his doctor, orthopedic surgeon, whatever, is totally fine with it. And this guy's apparently training for a fucking triathlon now. So, ugh, better than me. Shit, I haven't run a five k in ugh, months. I think last one I did was in April, <laughs> and I've been trying to desperately get back into running again since I hurt my back. <clears throat> and now seeing this guy, you know, with a uh, bottle opener on his prosthetic leg, 
well, I'm not chopping off my leg to get a prosthetic leg to put a bottle opener on there, but maybe there's some way I can just kind of, you know, I don't know, carve out the center of my hand and, you know, just implant a bottle opener in there. I suppose I could just get one of those bottle opener rings or bracelets or something, but, you know, fuck, everybody has those, you know, something a little different. You just put your hand on the top of the beer and pop it off. Come on. Come on, science. Get on this shit. (sighs) You know, I'll hit you with one more thing before break and see if I can still hit the two-hour mark today. Um, One, I think it was the last beer fest I was at, the uh, Garden State Brew Fest. They had a vendor there. It was a mobile canning vendor, basically for craft brewers that they're unable to buy a huge stock of cans to can their beer. Oftentimes, you're set with like a minimum order that you have to purchase from a company and you're left with a bunch of leftover cans and stock that you're never going to be able to use. Wasted money, wasted materials. And it, 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 you know, it hurts these smaller craft brewers because they, they need every dollar. Well, I know there was another company I had mentioned out on the West coast that was doing a mobile canning uh, business this one is in the New England area, and let's see, they are called Ironheart Canning Company. I'm almost positive this is the canning company that I saw at Garden State Brewfest this year. I talked to them a little bit, um, saw you know some of the materials and you know how they how they do their stuff. But now they are starting to do their thing here in the New England area. Um, let's see. Uh, Ironheart Canning, New England's first mobile ca- uh, mobile service. They're at IronheartCanning.com. Uh, the partners, Tyler Willie or Tyler Will and Jeremy Costa, originally set out to start a brew pub, but when they caught wind of Colorado-based mobile canning systems, which that may have actually been the one that I had mentioned before. I thought it was in California, but Colorado might be it too. Uh, they quickly realized how beneficial an on-demand packaging solution could be for the industry. According to Jeremy, the importance of aluminum can't be underestimated. Cans are simply the best option. They protect beer from the harmful effects of oxygen and light, and they're far more recyclable. Yes and no. Yeah, yeah, they're more recyclable. They, you know, you're not going to skunk a beer in a can, or at least not as easily. Um, but you run into that problem of getting stuck with a metallic taste where I know like the new Sam Adams cans, there's some kind of like a special separating layer inside to really make sure the beer never t- really touches metal. Uh, whether these cans are like that, I'm honestly not sure, but I, I have a feeling that if they're, if they're doing this, they're hopefully doing it right. Um, Let's see. Oscar Blues realized early on that Dale's Pale Ale could just as be just as delicious poured into a glass from a can as it was from a bottle. Many microbreweries are finally starting to agree, and yeah, we're we're seeing we are. I've, I've mentioned this several times before. We're, we're seeing this a lot more with cans jumping out. Founders, for instance, you know their flagship beer, All Day IPA, that's in cans now. Um, Sly Fox, that Hell's Lager, and the new that three sixty can. More and more and more, you're starting to see the craft brews popping up in cans. And initially, I, I think it was more of a you know, let's kind of you know let's be different kind of thing. But there's also that convenience factor, you know, easier to recycle stuff like that. I mean, for instance, 
Um, say, you know, say hypothetically, hypothetically in the winter, I wanted to say, you know, keep, keep some beer or, or not necessarily winter, but you know, colder weather, keep some beer, you know, hidden in the hatch of my car and enjoy a beer or two during my lunch break at work. Hypothetically, you know, just totally hypothetical situation. Now, dealing with a bottle in that situation is going to be a little bit more unwieldy. First of all, it's going to be terribly obvious that I'm drinking a bottle of beer in the back seat of my car. And then there's the disposal of it. Well, you know, yeah, I can hide it up the sleeve of my jacket or something like that and then, you know, toss it into a can when nobody's looking. But, you know, that, that takes a lot of effort. Now, say I buy a 12-pack of cans of, I don't know, a beat of Purple Haze. Well, suddenly I have cans. And at a distance, you're going to have no idea that it's a, you know, beer can. I could just be drinking a soda in my car. Again, all hypothetical. And it'll be nice and cold from the weather. Probably won't freeze because I don't, I don't seem to get stuff freezing in my car. As far as I know, I mean, you know, I've never, I've, I couldn't say I've, I've had a beer in there, but I've, I've probably had a can of soda, you know, sure. But anyway, so, I mean, once you finish that, you can, you know, just crush the can. And I know in my car, I have no shortage of, you know, empty, you know, Starbucks venti cups in the, you know, trash can in there. So all you do, you know, crack that open, toss the can in there, close it up. And then, oh, when you're heading back from lunch, oh, you're tossing your Starbucks cup into the trash can and no one's the wiser. Hypothetically, of course. But that would be a wonderful aspect of cans. So the more craft breweries that start to release in cans, the better it is for closet alcoholics like me. You know? So with that, I think I will uh, get myself ready to head into break here. Uh, got a few articles, stories, whatnot to come up after the break. Uh, let's see what I got here. I know. Uh, 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 it's my fucking verbal crutch. I can't help it. I'm sorry. One of these days, one of these days, I will get over that. Uh, survey. Beer drinkers getting bored with the taste of light beer. That kind of factors into a little bit of what we were talking about before. TGI Fridays in New Jersey fined 500000 for deceptive booze practices. That is actually an update of a story that I covered a couple months ago, I think, about uh, some bars in New Jersey basically charging for top-shelf booze and serving their customers shitty booze. And uh, TGI Fridays, I believe there were 13 of them out of like 29 uh, restaurants that were guilty of this. Uh, let's see. Substitutes for craft beer, white whales. Now there's always, especially on beer trade boards, you'll see there are those beers like Pliny the Elder and Pliny the Younger, um, Kentucky bourbon stout, stuff like that, that everybody's looking for. And most of us are never going to find. Well, there are some very, very, very close substitutes for some of these. And I got a list of them. Uh, and then there is the Duff Brewery in the Simpsons theme park in Universal Orlando. And then, of course, I have some new beer releases for the upcoming weeks and season. And um, that's pretty... 
pretty much all I got, so hopefully that'll fill a show. If not, uh, if not, I'm hitting up Reddit at the end of the show and uh, crossing my fingers that somebody posted something interesting on there. So with that, I'll be back after this. Alcohol by volume on More Like Radio. Alcohol by Cheers. volume, Kevin oh, Show. Hey, hey. Oh, the name of the show. Hey. What radio? Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration. Plus, a free extra gift so sensual, we can't mention it on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type DEAL48 for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code DEAL48 at adamandeve.com. Do you like video games? Are you a little antisocial? Well, listen to Antisocial Gamer Radio. Tuesdays from 3 to 5 on morelikeradio.com. Join Marianne and Kitty on Daytime Divas, where Marianne's milkshake brings all the creepers to the yard, and their life is better than yours. Damn right, it's better than yours. I could teach you, but I have to charge. Daytime Divas, Thursdays at 8 a.m. on morelikeradio.com. The Conti and Kenny Show. My father, he's the worst. He'll ask for something, but he is, and he always, he'll ask you, like he asked if we had uh, measuring tape, but he always goes, you got measuring tape? No. I'm like, could you let me answer first? <laughs> <laughs> Automatically knows Always you don't. Always does that. <laughs> just assumes that. Yeah. You, just, you got anything we need? No, you don't. No. He would just go, you got a measure tape? No. I'm like, then no. Apparently we don't. Oh, no Shadamas knows that we don't have the measuring tape. Oh, you ever putting curtains up? You got screws? And no. He cuts that all the time. Oh, He'll be like, hey, did you uh, call about the medical bill? No. I'm like, you know what? Why'd you ask? Why'd you ask? <laughs> you just called it. You fired up. Know. You just call to get your fire. Yeah. That's Fucking it. Jonathan Edwards. You're a negative Jonathan Edwards. <laughs> Don't even ask. Hey, did you go to work today? No. All right, then fuck you. Always does that. Oh, Always does that. The Conti and Kenny Show. Monday nights, 7 to 10 on morelikeradio.com. Hi, I'm Kenny from Lust and Love, where we like to talk about everyday topics. Everyone was getting shit-faced and they were stroking my dickhead. My fucking vagina is swollen, okay? I think my favorite place is the anus. Of course I'd pop that pussy. She said she had her ass cheeks spread out and uh, she was, uh, you know, putting the wax on it and as soon as she went to go pull the wax off, she went... Listen to us live. Mondays from 10 to midnight on morelikevideo.com. Punto com.
Hey, you. Yes, you guessed 10,542. Change your username. And while you're in a more like radio live page listening to fine quality programming, notice the banner ad just slightly above the chat room. It's a link to something you want in Amazon. Click it. It's probably reminding you to order something you need from Amazon.com. Don't leave him a lot and type the URL like a sucker. Just click the link and it'll open in a new window. This way you can buy your shit and continue listening to the show. Now, change your username. Right there on the right, stupid. If you weren't able to catch the last Hippo Juice show, here's what you probably missed. I would rather go one mile down the road than inconvenience men behind me. Mm-hmm. In my mouth, with my tongue, and testicles. Oh. The official I- statement is FAG! Zach, um, uh, um, as far as your routine goes, um, how, you know, because do you ever, like, do, like, with, uh... Listen to the Hippo Juice Show live every Wednesday night, 7 to 9 p.m. on morelikeradio.com. Mark Out Radio Live, Sundays at 2 p.m. on morelikeradio.com. Two wrestling marks who surprisingly don't have a lot of nice things to say about Hulk Hogan. I think you should bring Hogan back and let Norton kick the fuck out of him. Hogan hours sucked. But now it just seems like everyone's kicking out of everyone's finishers for no reason whatsoever. You're making me embarrassed over here. Oh, they're fans. I gotta say, the person I masturbate the most to on more like radio is Big T. My boner's so huge right now. Go away. Just stop. I don't even care. It's in, in. And that's Mark Out Radio live Sundays from 2 to 4 p.m. on morelikeradio.com. Now I'm, now I'm realizing that this is all going to be on fucking podcast. Oh, boy. I told yeah, you. We were try- I was trying to warn you the whole time. Dude, I don't care. I'm voluntarily Skyping into you. Use us to make a promo. I don't care. No. Mm-hmm. Like I said, my fiance doesn't listen. Dutch got drunk one night. Well, he gets drunk every night. But he got drunk one night, and I used it as a promo. Why not? Use this into a promo. I, I give everyone permission to turn this audio into a promo. I don't care. He also used Drunk Me for a promo, too. You remember? I, I, yeah. Punch AJ, it. you play it every week. I do. Folks at home, radio gold like this happens every Sunday and Thursday at midnight on 360 on 420, only on morelikeradio.com. Show that's uh, an online radio show across the country. Going shirtless. Why? So I don't want to go shirtless. You guys would have been on the air. What the fuck? The hosts of the Red Show. Um, in which there's really no other way to put it. They'd be less funny than that. Um, and uh-huh. he's your guy on the Red Show because he is a racist. That's the whole reason he's your guy. The Red Show. Got fired. I went on that radio show. I'm not open. Really, you can now it more like radio because text. Because it's text much. Got us, got us fired. It's a goddamn war zone. I see the slight shift and I don't like it. Obviously hates pretty much everyone who's not a white male in his 40s. I in radio, and that's what they were trying to do. And I remember that's bad words. That's words. Oh, oh, okay, I want you dead. Oh, who's, uh, who's Tech T, by the way? On Twitter. 
You know, especially, I know what Texie does. He's a fucking all-star pitcher that shits in the manager's office. You probably deserve him, Texie did, I think. That's right, Jason and Tex. Take that. Ha. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Gather. You won over the heart of a Colorado housewife. Congratulations. <laughs> he, he is so banged up, he can't even focus now. He has his hands over his face. Footer's losing his mind. He's covering his face. He's swaying back and forth. He's getting... It's the Red, Wednesdays at 9 East, only at morelikeradio.com. Morelikeradio.com, because mean people need to laugh too. Well, there she is, the old homestead. Jesus, what's my dowry, tetanus? Hey, you know what? Jesus! Randy, it's me, Ray, your brother! Don't you move, don't move an inch. What do you mean, don't move? I came to help you, asshole. Well, you ain't gonna be much help with your legs blown off. There's mines all in the yard. Right. to be honest, I'm kind of having second thoughts about this whole thing. Uh, get in line. Randy Gillett, where are your manners? Get these folks a map of that damn minefield so they can come inside. I got some nice hot pie for him. Okay, now I'm having third thoughts. Oh, please don't. It would be rude not to eat her pie, which I assume is not only hot, but also moist. Although, hopefully not for Hour number two of Alcohol by Volume here on MoreLikeRadio.com. I am your drunken host, Kevin, giving you the news of beer all over the place. Um, sometimes coherently, sometimes not. So, you know, take that as you will. <sighs> what I teased before the break, a survey that beer drinkers are getting bored with the taste of light beer. And that's not really terribly surprising, considering the rise of craft beer. And there aren't a whole lot of light craft beers when you think about it. Um, I mean, shit. I, I, I think I can think of one straight off, and it's it's Abita that does a Abita light beer. Um I'd have to struggle to think of more. So, I mean, most of the time when you have your light beers, you know, your American adjunct lagers, it's your it's your big beer company. So, if beer drinkers are getting bored with the taste of light beer, that is not helping the big beer companies. So, basically, this was based on a report. Basically, based... Oh, God damn it. This is why I'm not a public speaker. Definitely not a public speaker. A report from the research firm Consumer Edge Insight. Uh, David Decker, the president of Consumer Edge Insight, said in a release after a long period when these domestic premium light brands dominated the U.S. beer industry. So, obviously, Bud Light, Coors Light, Miller Light, um, Michelob Light, you know, all the, you know, everything I was mentioning. Uh, many beer drinkers, particularly younger ones, are finding that they prefer the stronger and more varied taste of imports and craft beers instead. This suggests that the recent weakness in share trends for the big premium light flagship brands is likely to continue. I know some weeks back I had uh, gone over some of the you know numbers and statistics over some of the 
cheap beer brands that had lost significant market share. Um, I'm trying to remember which, like, some examples of them. I, I want to say stuff like Milwaukee's Best, Old Milwaukee, Keystone, things like that, that were losing double-digit market shares. In some cases, I know I remember one of them had lost like 80% market share or 80% of sales over like the course of like two years or something like that. So obviously, some of these are really hurting. I guess, you know, your, your standard ones that, again, the ones that I mentioned just right off the top of my head, the Bud Light, Miller Light, things like that, those probably aren't hurting as badly as the, like, sub-tier ones. Like I was mentioning, Keystone, you know, things like that. Obviously, PBR is doing fine because of the fucking hipsters, but they, I mean, that's not really a light beer anyway. Uh, so, anyway... Why don't I ever... This is fucking brilliant. I just realized I can do radio and put my feet up on the desk. Oh, that's much better. Oh, so much more comfortable. Now, if only I had a fucking Baconator here. See, my problem when I drink is that despite the fact that I always eat dinner pretty much half an hour before the show starts, so I'm pretty well satiated, I inevitably want something after the show because of the fucking alcohol and it's almost always something that is shitty for me be it you know fast food or chocolate or chips or something and there is a fucking wendy's down the road there is a fucking white castle not too far away oh numerous pizza joints There's a fucking Domino's right across the street. I would not even have to get into my car to drunk drive. I could just order the fucker on my phone and walk across the street when the pizza tracker comes up and says my pizza's fucking done. I don't know. They need a beer with an appetite suppressant. Like, kind of genetically coded into it. So... Again, I call on you, science. Get to fucking work on this shit. God damn it. Ugh. And while you're at it, make me stop pissing when I drink. Come on. Ugh. As I chase off the uh, remainder of my listeners, I'll get back to this. Um, CEI, which is Consumer Edge Insight, their alcoholic beverage demand tracker, they conducted a survey of U.S. adults which is uh, similar to U.S. Americans, I suppose, uh, who consume any type of alcohol at least once a week or more. Some of the responses they got. Uh, 27% of the respondents said the main reason for less consumption of premium light beer brands is because they're, quote, getting tired of the taste. And to that I say, what taste? 21% said the main reason is that they're, quote, consuming more of other types of beer. Makes sense. Uh, 40% of 21 to 27-year-olds and 39% of Hispanics said that they drink premium lights less often because they're getting tired of the taste. Jeez, they really segmented this out, didn't they? As of June 2013, 28% of beer drinkers named a premium light brand as their favorite beer. This number dropped from 32% one year ago. Um, 30% of beer drinkers named an import brand as their favorite beer. Uh, 15% of beer drinkers named a craft brand as their favorite beer compared to 13% last year. 
Uh, 30% of beer drinkers said they perceived the premium light segment as tasting great compared to 33% one year ago. And now this is the kicker. And this is obviously the uh, the craft beer uh, uh, crowd you know, jumping into this. 30% of beer drinkers described the premium light segment as, quote, watery compared to 34% one year ago. And that's, I mean, that's, that's damning right there. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Cornax is telling me in the Skype chat, cheeseburgers are the best sponges for alcohol. I know, that's the problem. I mean, God damn it. I, I fucking love a Wendy's triple cheeseburger. And nobody should ever, ever, ever eat one of those. Under no circumstances should they ever eat that burger, despite how delicious it is. Because A, you will not shit for days. B, just no. <sighs> but it, it's, it's the fat kid in me trying to get out. I mean... I'm trying to think when I lost all that weight, and it was probably around from like 2007 to 2008, I lost like 80 fucking pounds. And before that, I know I know I've gone into this before, where if I went to somewhere like Burger King, I'd order a combo meal, and then you know I'd upsize or king size or whatever the fuck it is. I haven't been to Burger King in ages. Uh, you know, bigger fries, and instead of a drink, get a shake. And, oh, you know, I'm going to get uh, this off the dollar menu. Oh, let me get this off the dollar menu, too. Oh, let me get this off the dollar menu, too. Oh, let me get one of those fruit pies or chocolate pies or whatever, too. And the thing is, back when I was, you know, fat kid, I did not even drink that much. I barely fucking drank at all. So I guess it's kind of a testament to my <laughs> just how frequently I'm able to actually run and work out and stuff like that. And believe me, I am, I am no gym rat. I am not one of those guys that, you know, works out two, three hours a day. Believe me, if, if I had that kind of stamina, I probably would. But, you know, just because I'm fucking psycho. But given how much I drink, or at least had been drinking, you know, again, trying to cut myself off during the week, given how much I normally drink... It is amazing that I have not both, you know, gained the weight back from beer and then the subsequent food. And Cornax is like the devil on my shoulder because he just gave me two words. Triple Baconator. Oh, it's like fucking food porn. God damn. And a side of chili cheese fries. That's the fucking worst because we... Get those... I know, I'm completely off topic here. Not dealing with beer, but fuck you. I'm talking about what I want to. Um, we get those, uh, like the, the... What the fuck are they called? The value packs or whatever in our mail. Where it has, you know, coupons for local businesses and stuff. And I guess in one of them recently, we had some Wendy's coupons. And one of them is a free order of chili cheese fries with any purchase. Fuck. So, of course, my wife puts it up in the fridge, knowing that it's going to stand, sit there and taunt me and fucking taunt me. Uh, where the fuck was I? Uh, Roy Black on crack in the chat says, fat guys don't need to drink much. They're party people by nature. Uh, 
I'm trying to, I guess, I guess when I was heavier, I did go to more parties, although that would explain why I was not picking up any women. Because I do remember, I didn't drink much at one of the last parties I was at, but I did smoke a lot of weed, and then I was hitting on my friend's girlfriend's friend all night, and I think I creeped her out a little bit. That was also the night that this one girl there apparently got off on getting punched in the face. And basically demanded that this one guy at the party punch her in the face because she would get off on it. And somehow she managed to convince him to actually do it. And he just felt sick after doing it the whole night. And she was just sitting there in complete ecstasy after it happened. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really go to those kind of parties anymore. I don't know if it's that I've just gotten too old or I just don't know those sort of people anymore. Mm. Um... I guess I finished that whole <laughs> survey of the people getting bored with the taste of the light beer. God damn it. Uh, Cornex says, way to go, John Belushi. Thank you, sir. <laughs> TGI Fridays in New Jersey fined $500,000 for deceptive booze practices. I will preface this, uh, just so in case I refer to them later in the story, the uh, Briad Group, or Briad, Briad, probably rhymes with Triad, so they're owned by the uh, Japanese Yakuza or something. Uh, Fridays is owned by the Briad Group in New Jersey. And the whole story behind this is... <laughs> I'm not saying that, Cornex. Get somebody else to say it in the chat, and maybe I will. <laughs> Figure out a way, man. Figure out a way. <sighs> um, basically, the whole sting of this was a bunch of restaurants. What was it? Uh, 29 businesses were charged with this. They were serving cheap booze instead of the top-shelf booze that was ordered by customers. They had investigators come in. They would order a, a top-shelf drink. And then they would basically take a sample of it to be analyzed to see if it was what they thought it was. And um, they took it back, and in these cases, they were finding you know that what they had ordered was not what they got, but they were still being charged for the top shelf shit. Um, so the fine for Fridays includes four hundred thousand dollars for the violations, and a hundred thousand dollars to cover the investigative costs, and. I guess they, you know, had to send in a lot of investigators and everything and analyze and all that shit. You know, the shit costs money. And I did finish that chocolate orange IPA and I still got no hint of chocolate. I'm back to the banana nut brown ale. Anyway, um, they also face, and this is Fridays, they also face a lawsuit in state court by two women who claim that Briad had instituted, and this is kind of freaky, uh, they instituted a uniform policy to substitute cut-rate liquor for premium brands for over at least a year in violation of the New Jersey Consumer Fraud Act. And they seek reimbursement for all customer losses and punitive damages of twenty, or I'm sorry, of three times the price of each drink. So basically, these people are saying that the not not the individual franchises of Fridays, but the owners. The overall owners, the Briad Group, 
of Fridays had instituted this policy to substitute the cheap shit for the good shit. Now, you could probably look past this if it was the, you know, just individual franchisees that were doing this on their own. I mean, I think we saw it happen at least once in Bar Rescue where they were refilling the premium bottles with the cheap shit. And obviously that's a no-no. You can completely lose your license for it. I mean, John Taffer said that said as much. But the fact that this was apparently policy, I mean, it's a court case now, and it makes you wonder that if that holds up in court, if it will either affect the Briad Group's ownership of the Friday's franchises, if it will affect the Friday's locations that were not charged in this. Like, um, I'm, I happen to be a, you know, Friday stripes member and I'm always earning points and everything. And I mean, you know, you, you get 150 points, you can get like a free, you know, rib entree, which is fucking delicious. You know, get, getting back into ribs again, of course, it always comes back to ribs on this show. But, um, I think right now we, we haven't cashed in our points in so long. Uh, I think we have like 350 points or something like that. But anyway, there's a Friday's near us. We go to, we get the coupons and everything. They were not charged in this. They were not listed in this and everything. And in fact, the, let's see, the ones that were listed for any, uh, Jersey listeners of the show, you know, some of these you might know. I, I, I'm a hundred percent positive. I've been to one of these locations. Um, the eight TGI Fridays included in the settlement, West Orange, East Windsor, Old Bridge, Piscataway, Freehold, Marlboro, Hazlitt, and Linden. I'm almost positive I've been to the one in West Orange. The, well, just for for disclosure, the one that I normally go to is in, um, I'm trying to think which town it's technically in. I think it's uh, technically Ledgewood, but I used to go to the one in East Hanover. Now, I think that one was also under investigation, but I guess... They're not included in the settlement. Um, well, yeah, um, there are 13 TGI Fridays that were investigated in this, and there are only eight included in the settlement. But anyway, um, it, it makes you wonder, if this was policy, were the other Fridays doing it, or were they refusing to do it? it hopefully that'll come out in court. I'm very curious about this, and I'm very curious you know, how widespread something like this is. Again, I, as I mentioned before, I don't normally order, you know, hard liquor at restaurants anyway. Um, A, it's too expensive, and now B, I'm suspicious of what the fuck they're giving me. I mean, to be fair, I'm normally probably going to order cheaper shit anyway, but if, you know, if they're making margaritas or something, and their margaritas are, you know, typically standard top shelf stuff, and they're substituting it with cheaper shit... Okay, then that's that's going to kind of piss me off a little bit. Um, let's see. There were a total of 29 businesses in New Jersey that were accused. And like I said, 13 of them were TGI Fridays. They had been accused of cheating customers following state raids back in May. And only eight Fridays were charged. Other cases are under investigation. So I'm assuming that includes the other five TGI Fridays and then... Let me see. Uh, let me see if I can do math here. The other sixteen other restaurants and just local non-chain establishments. I think Fridays was the only chain in this whole situation. So that 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 freaks me out too. That it's just you know 
you can't really say mom and pop restaurants, but your your independently owned restaurants were trying to pull this shit. You know, you can almost understand them doing a little bit more than Fridays because yeah, you try and cut corners and shit like that. But again, you're gonna lose your fucking liquor license, and for some of these places, you lose your liquor license, you've lost your business because the booze will bring people in. You know, sometimes your food might not be good enough to keep them coming. I mean, I I can only imagine if a place like, um, okay, well, there's one, there's one place kind of nearby me. It's like about halfway between my house and, uh, my work. It's called the Morris Tap and Grill. Locals in the area know it pretty well. It's, it's on a major, uh, major highway out here, uh, route 10. And they have, something like 20, 25 craft beers on tap. They are a big craft beer destination here. Uh, they, I think their chef there was a winner on Food Network's Chopped. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're a pretty, pretty big deal here. I get the feeling they, for instance, would not risk something like this by serving the cheap shit instead of the top shelf stuff because they have a lot to lose with that. I mean, they they get sponsored events from craft beer, you know. They they and, and in turn they're able to sponsor other events out in the community and things like that. I have a feeling a beloved place like that would not be stupid enough. But then there, you know, some of these other independent businesses that apparently are doing it. How well beloved they are in their communities, I don't know. But it, it's baffling that. I mean, I, I can understand the the nature of humanity to you know try and cut corners and make money where you can, but uh, this is just fucking stupid. So um, at one of the, I I think I mentioned this when I brought up the story the first time, but at one of the twenty nine businesses and this this is fucking abhorrent. I mean, this is disgusting. A mixture that included rubbing alcohol and caramel coloring was sold as scotch. Now. To be fair, I don't drink scotch that often. I'd like to think I could tell the difference between scotch and rubbing alcohol. I'd like to think that. Who knows? And in another, premium liquor bottles were refilled with water that was not even clean. Now, this I'm trying to figure out. If they're serving them as water, like, or if they're serving from these bottles... I mean, are they just watering it down? Uh, that I'm not totally clear on, but the fact that the water wasn't even clean, I mean, that's disgusting enough in itself. These people are fucking awful. But, uh, that's that's New Jersey for you. And, you know, given given how many violations there were here, or at least how many places there were under investigation here, I mean, New Jersey's not a huge, huge state. It makes me wonder how much this is going on in other states. If there are investigations going on in other states, how prevalent this problem is. I mean, even even with, again, I go back to Bar Rescue. The small sample size we get on that show out of three seasons, I'm trying to think of how many episodes per season. Has, is it like 20-something episodes per season, something like that? Um, that's, let's say, and then you, you have to account for... Um, or am I thinking? Or am I thinking Kitchen Nightmares with two parters? I don't know. Let's just say you know, twenty episodes a season, sixty bars or so. At least one bar has done this. You know, very clearly they admitted to doing this. 
uh, what's that percentage like? Um, I, I'm horrible with numbers. Was it like 2% or something like that? But anyway, there is, there is a percentage there. There is a percentage there and it really makes me wonder, is this a problem that is rampant across the country? Um, I almost want to do research into that just to see if there are more, you know, more, um, investigations that are going on like that. I, I don't know if I only picked up on this one because it's a local or if I happen to catch it on like some of the beer news sites or stuff. I, I think it might actually be the latter and that the fact that it was New Jersey is just incidental. Um, so that, that's enough with that story. Let me sit up here because my ass is starting to fall asleep. Ugh. Ugh. Jesus, I need a better fucking chair. Also, I need a better floor that's even so I can roll on it. When we move out of this house, I'll be very, very happy because this floor is shit. It's it's carpet and rock underneath. An uneven rock at that. Not not fun. Uh, let's see. Let me do a little, little quickie, quickie, quickie fun story before I uh, get to a, do a list. And then I will close out this wonderful, wonderful show with the new beer releases. And uh, I didn't grab any festivals this week because nothing really jumped out at me. Ah, uh, I don't know. The festivals don't seem to be all that unique anymore. Every now and then I'll find one that really jumps out at me, but a lot of them are just... The, the, the websites they, they make for them are very cookie-cutter, no details. I mean, nothing jumping out at you. Um, so some weeks I'll have festivals, some I won't. It all depends. It, this week I, I felt it would have just been filler because nothing looked all that interesting. Anyway, this has to do with the uh, Duff Brewery. Their beer garden opens in the Simpsons theme park in Universal Orlando. I know we have uh, some friends down there that may check this out at some point. And they actually, I believe down there, they are selling a uh, uh, Duff beer and a Duff light. I do not remember the name of the uh, company that's actually producing the beer, but it's not it's not your Budweiser, you know, Coors, whatever. Um, let me see. Duff Beer Produced By. Help me out, Google. Uh, the legendary Duff Beer. The Lion... Wait, no, that's... Oh, well, that's interesting. In the late 90s, there was actually one produced by the uh, Lion Nathan Brewery in Australia. Oh, produced an unrelated beer called Duff Beer. Okay, and then 20th Century Fox sued their asses. But this, it is uh, from Florida Beer Company. So, let's see, this was from June 2nd. This I, I, I know I showed the labels and everything. Um, yeah, Duff Beer, Duff Dry, and Duff Light. And it is uh, Florida Beer Company. And Florida Beer Company is actually a craft brewery. So... Uh, it's kind of nice that the little guy got to do something big like this because you know these are going to sell like crazy. Um, now, why am I seeing... Now, this this is actually very different because I found another... But this is a UK site. This is, this is kind of different. I found duffbeer.co.uk or duffbeer.co.uk or however you're supposed to say it. I mean, they have like whole cases of Duff beer, but this is completely different. Uh, 
than the Florida Beer Company one. So I'm wondering how licensed this... I mean, even the the label is different. Huh. Very, very strange. I'll have to check on that. I have no idea what's going on with that. But anyway, um, let me get back to this one. Um, so yeah, uh, they have the beer garden. It overlooks Harry Potter's... And I don't know how to pronounce this. Diagon Alley. I... I've seen all the Harry Potter films, but I don't remember shit. Um, they're selling, in addition to the beer, they got Duff pint glasses, beer buckets. There's a statue of Duff Man there. They have the um, the guys dressed up in the Duff beer bottles, but they look more like topiaries there. So it's like, you know, leafy beer bottles. In addition to that, of course, in the park, um, they now have a, what is it, uh, Lard Lad, you know, the donut place. They have a uh, taco truck. It's the Bumblebee guy. So in addition to the Duff Brewery, so they've added some stuff to the Simpsons theme park there. And they have their own Quickie Mart, Squishy Machine, all that kind of stuff there. But just a little addition to that. So if you're down in Universal Orlando, check that out. Get yourself a can of Duff and see how it is. Report back to us on the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash alcohol by volume. And uh, if you, you know, if you happen to get one, let us know how it is and maybe get a Duff Dry and a Duff Light at the same time. <sighs> okay, so uh, let me let me close out with this list here. As I mentioned before, there are some of those craft beers that, for some reason or another, they're just highly coveted, but they either don't see large distribution... Or they do see large distribution, but they just sell out very, very quickly. Um, and, you know, they're, they're those those white whales, you know, taken from Moby Dick. Um, those white whales of crap brewing. Now, this one site, uh, firstwefeast.com. They went through ten different cult craft beer releases and substitutes that you could pick up if you cannot find the you know genuine article and i'm trying i'm trying to think of any like you know the closest i've come to finding something that is apparently very desirable is um founders rubeus and if i remember correctly i think it's a like a raspberry let me see here founders rubeus I found a four-pack of it at a Bottle King out here in Jersey. And I had heard that, for some reason, it was hard to come by. I don't know why. Um, it's, a raspberry, it's a raspberry ale. Um, and I showed uh, my friend Nicole in Michigan, who is a uh, like big, big into beer. She's you know big on the sours right now, Jolly Pumpkin and everything. Um, she's always, you know, traveling, doing reviews for all this stuff. I mean, she is all in that world. But I showed her, holy shit, you know, look what I found out here. And she says, there are people out here in Michigan that would kill you for finding that. And I don't think she meant literally kill. I mean, it's not in the, you know, heart of the bad area of Detroit. But um, that apparently, like, that one, I guess, is hard to find out in Michigan, which is funny considering founders is a michigan brew i've i've heard you know similar tales where 
uh, Jolly Pumpkin is in some cases hard to find out in Michigan, which is surprising. You would think that if it's brewed in state, you're going to be able to find it in state. But in some cases, I've heard that it, people have problems finding it. Me, I know consistently that there are th- at least three kinds of Jolly Pumpkin that I can find out here. One of them being one of my favorite sours, La Roja. Um, I know, I think I see uh, Bambier a lot. And there's one other. Uh, it has a Jack Russell Terrier on the bottle. I remember that. But anyway, I'm kind of getting off topic a little bit. And uh, God damn it, I'm thinking about a Baconator again. Son of a bitch. Okay, let me get back to this. Uh, the first one here they have, I know I mentioned before, um, Pliny the Elder from Russian River Brewing. And Russian River apparently is one of those breweries that everything they make is in demand for some reason. I see them always mentioned on, on the Beer Trade subreddit. Well, this, they mention uh, Pliny the Elder, which is a double IPA that people go crazy over. Apparently, there's one that's even more difficult to find. It's Pliny the Younger. And it's a triple IPA. It's a draft-only release at Russian River Santa Rosa, California Brew Pub and a few select outlets across the country. And they say it's accompanied by cues that recall ration lines during World War II. And that brings to mind, like, um, was it, uh, Founders uh, Kentucky Bourbon Stout. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Kentucky Breakfast Stout? Bourbon? I think it's Bourbon Barrel Age Kentucky Breakfast Stout. Something like that. But I know I'm never going to see that, but I know people who have seen it. But that's another one where people go crazy over it. Anyway, the uh, substitute they have for this, which I do believe I have actually seen here, but I'm not an IPA person, so I'm not going to try this. Hoppin' Frog Hop Dam Triple IPA. Uh, Hoppin' Frog, it's based out of Ohio. And let's see, they said... um, they built a stainless steel dam for the brew kettle to hold back the hops, resulting in a tidal wave of citrus and pine. A couple others they suggest here for maxed out IPAs, Dark Horse Double Crooked Tree IPA and Founders Devil Dancer. I don't think I've seen Devil Dancer before. Uh, this one, I haven't seen the original, but I have seen the uh, substitute. Uh, oh, God. Pronouncing this is going to suck. We're into the Belgian section here. Uh, as they say here, it used to be if you wanted to try this Rockefeller-rich Belgian quadruple, you had to make a reservation to visit the monks of St. Sixtus of West Vlerteren. After swearing that you'll not resell the indulgent ale, a snifter-worthy pour packed with dark fruit flavors, the brother would allow you to haul off a crate of West Vlerteren 12. Uh, last year, the brothers partnered with several distributors to offer a one-time sale of Westie 12 gift packs. The proceeds helped fund the Abbey's restoration, but sales have once again been once again been restricted to the Abbey. The substitute they have here is St. Bernardus uh, Abbot 12. And firstwefeast.com says there's very little drop-off from the Westie 12 to the St. Bernardus. Or Bernard... Bernardus... Ugh. Son of a bitch. B-E-R-N-A-R-D-U-S. Just say it yourself. I know I have seen this one in stores. I see a lot of St. Bernardus uh, in one of the stores out here. Uh, Let's see. This one, okay, this one might be a little bit more tricky, but 
Um, let's see here. Um, okay, sorry about that. So um, this one's called Hair of the Dog Dave. And Jesus Christ. It's a barley wine uh, from Portland, Oregon's Allen Sprints. Uh, originally brewed in 94. It's a high alcohol one. Uh, they did uh, freeze distillation, and the alcohol content was up to 29%. So it's one of those, you know, one of those high, high alcohol beers that's closer to a spirit, honestly. During an online auction in 2010, a single bottle of it sold for just a little over $1,500. And um, the substitute they have for this, it's another one that's not quite easy to find. A friend of mine on Facebook actually did get a bottle of this. It'll cost you around 200 a bottle, but that's still a hell of a lot cheaper than $1,500. It's the Sam Adams Utopias. They clock in at a similar uh, alcohol level, but they're they're a bargain at that price versus fifteen hundred dollars. There's another release of the Utopia slated for this fall, so keep an eye out for it. It's it's in a very distinctive um, kind of gold bottle. Let me see, Sam Adams Utopias. It's one of those kind of things where if you see the bottle, you'll you'll recognize what you're looking at. Uh, because you'll probably have seen it before at some point. And thank you, Cornax. He says, I can read better. At least I can read better than Dutch. And I do appreciate that. And, and you know what? For, um... <laughs> and I'm, now I'm back in the chat. Mitch Duff Beer, someone's making a Simpsons reference. That's topical. Speaking of topical, uh, a new episode of Futurama, uh, Finn and Jake from Adventure Time are going to be appearing in it, oddly. I don't know how that's going to happen. But anyway, this is a in the chat. I'm posting a picture. This is a picture of the bottle of Sam Adams Utopias. Um, so that kind of gives you an idea of how fancy that looks. But back to Cornac saying I can read better than Dutch. Would you believe that? Uh, I don't think it was yesterday. It might have been the day before that I fucking bit my goddamn tongue. And my problem is when I bite my tongue, I fucking bite my tongue. There is blood. A lot of blood. The first time I ever did it, I was out at a restaurant eating Mexican. And I was, I think we were having the, the tortilla chips and salsa beforehand. And I bit down, I bit right into the center of my tongue. My tongue fucking folded in goddamn half. I touched my tongue and my finger was coated in blood. And since then... Anytime I really bite my tongue, I fucking bleed, and I'm left with a goddamn lump on my tongue for at least like the next two weeks. I don't know what the fuck that is. It, it, it from what I what I can guess, it only seems to it seems to happen now when I'm eating spicy food, and it's either one of two things: either oh my god, this food is so fucking good. Oh my god, I can't wait to eat it. Yum 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 yum. Oh, it's so good, and I bite my tongue. Or B. That the spicy food numbs me up to such a respect that I don't know the difference between my food and my tongue, and I bite the shit out of my tongue. So, but even with a big old lump on my tongue, I'm still doing radio. I'm still reading. So fuck you, Dutch. I'm better than you this week. God damn it, Dutch and Royce at ten. Ha. Um. 
Where was I on this? Oh, uh, yeah, the craft. Okay. Uh, the next one here. If this will load. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, Cornac says, nice going, numb nuts. Yeah, I know. I don't know what is with me. I, I'm, always, I'm, I'm injuring myself in various ways. I don't know why. Uh, why the fuck did this page suddenly stop working? Let me refresh and see what's going on here. There we go. Uh, maybe. Okay. Uh, now, this is interesting because I believe I have actually had this substitute because this was recommended by... Actually, yeah. This was this was the one recommended by uh, Chris, Bar- Chris Bradley of... God damn it. I'm going to fuck it up again. Breweries, bars, breweries, beers, and bar food. I think that's it. I think that's it. Damn it. I know it's three Bs. Mm. But the uh, the white whale of the beers, it's the Alchemist's Heady Topper. Uh, it's a double IPA produced out of Waterbury, Vermont. It's solely dedicated to producing uh, Heady Topper. The demand is so strong, the beer sells out as soon as it roll, rolls off the canning line, pretty much. Uh, to discourage black market sales, the brewery is soon going to distribute decals to authorized retailers. Um, <laughs> God damn it, Cornex. I am not self-harming, and I don't think Father McKinley touched me, or at least not in the way that I wanted him to. So the substitute for Hetty Topper, anyway, is Firestone Walker's Double Jack IPA. And as far as an IPA goes... I actually I didn't mind it as much. It's not something I'd want to get a lot, but I was glad I tried it. Didn't you know really do it for me? But they say uh, the California Outfits inaugural yeah inaugural Imperial IPA is a wonderfully bitter marriage of caramel malt and gobs of grapefruits and tangerines. I think the fact that helped me with the double Jack to not completely hate it was that it had enough maltiness to kind of work itself out with me. Um. This one I'd be bummed to not get the original because it's actually got a pretty cool label on it. It's called Zombie Dust. It's from uh, Three Floyds. In fact, let me see if I can find the label. Three Floyds. Zombie Dust. Because it's actually a pretty cool image. Um, But it's also apparently very hard to come by. Uh, Copy image. And I will paste it in the chat. And I will paste it wrong in the chat because I'm an idiot. Uh, there we go. So you see that zombie dust from Three Floyds out of Munster, uh, Indiana. Uh, do, 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 do. Let's see. Uh, it's a juicy, another pale ale, uh, exclusively with tropical citra hops. Since it was first bottled in 2011, the pale ale has been purchased top beer rating website. Zombie stays in stock about as long as it takes you to scan this sentence. The um, substitute they have for this is from uh, Half Acre Beer Company out of Chicago, Illinois. It's the Daisy Cutter Pale Ale. Uh, another one they suggest main beers, uh, Mo or Peeper Ales. Uh, not familiar with those, but uh, somebody might be on here. Uh, this one, uh, similar, similar to... The uh, Kentucky Bourbon, okay, Kentucky Bourbon, not Kentucky Breakfast. <laughs> Kentucky Bourbon Stout. I keep thinking of the Founders Breakfast Stout, which I fucking love. This one is actually Canadian Breakfast Stout. 
and I didn't know about this before, and now I, well, I wish I still didn't know about it because I fucking want it. It's brewed with chocolate and coffee aged in maple syrup bourbon barrels. Uh, the bottle has a Mountie on the label, so very Canadian. Um, and apparently it, it's even more in demand than the Kentucky Bourbon Stout, which surprises the hell out of me. Again, it's one that I'm probably never going to see unless I'm in Michigan at the right time or move back to Michigan or something. But there is a substitute that I would hope might be more readily available, especially considering the brewery that it's done by. Goose Island Bourbon County Stout. Um, and basically, it you know, it's a, it's a bourbon barrel aged imperial stout. Supposedly very good. And I would think that this would get a lot more distribution because Goose Island got bought out by Anheuser-Busch InBev. And they've pretty much allowed Goose Island to continue to do what they're doing. They haven't messed with their formulas or anything. So with any luck, we may, may, may see that Bourbon County Imperial Stout again. Crossing my fingers. Keep my eye out for that because that is something I'd really like to try. Uh, I think this is one I've mentioned before, the uh, Hunahabu's Stout from Cigar City Brewing uh, out of Florida. Um, it's an imperial stout aged on Peruvian cocoa nibs, ancho and pasilla chilies, uh, cinnamon, and Madagascar vanilla beans. So a lot of combinations there. But you have to actually, you have to be in Tampa for this. You have to be at the brewery. It, it, you have to be part of their reserve society, stuff like that. A good substitute is from uh, Deschutes Brewery out of Oregon. It's their The Abyss, uh, partly aged in oak and bourbon barrels. It's a fall offering. It's a rich symphony of chocolate, coffee, vanilla, and roasted malts. They have another um, idea if you want a little bit more spice. You can have Westbrook's Habanero Spiked Mexican Cake, and I do believe I remember reading something about that before too. Um, let's see how many. Wow, I have to cut this off at some point. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, we almost at the end. Yeah, I think we're almost at the end here. And I don't know. I uh, I, I can go over a little bit today because, um, unbeknownst to some people, perhaps. Uh, poor J5 got stuck working tonight, so there will not be a new unsigned hype tonight. It's going to be a replay tonight, much to his chagrin, but at least hopefully he'll be making some cash. Um, so let me finish this up here. Uh, from the brewery Black Tuesday, it's their Imperial Stout aged in bourbon barrels, nearly 20% alcohol. It's crazy for that. Uh, it's their most desired beer, but you have to join one of the brewery's membership-only societies or be fast enough to grab a ticket to their release party. Again, that's one I'm never going to see, even though I do see a lot of stuff from the brewery. A good substitute is Brew Dogs Tokyo, which I do believe I have seen. However, if I remember correctly, Brew Dogs Tokyo, for one um, 12-ounce or 11.2-ounce or whatever bottle, you're looking at paying probably at least $13, $14. So, you know, got to kind of tread carefully there another suggestion they had there is uh, dogfish heads worldwide stout i can't remember if i've ever seen that before i probably have at some point in time and we're down to the last two here before i get into the new beer releases um 
Lawson's Famous Liquids Double Sunshine IPA. This almost looks like a generic beer label in a weird way. Uh, they're on a seven-barrel system in Vermont's Mad River Valley. Um, it's from locally harvested maple sap. Another IPA. Everybody wants these goddamn IPAs. The substitute for this is from Stone Brewing. It's one of their Enjoy By IPAs. I know they've had at least a couple of those come out this year where you're supposed to enjoy it by a certain date. Um, can't really say much else about that. It's a Stone IPA. Um, and come on, you motherfucking... Ugh. I fucking hate slideshows. Seriously. Especially when they don't fucking work. Okay. Uh, last one here. Cantillon Swansea. At Belgium's Cantillon, uh, Jean Van Roll, or Jean Van Wall, makes some of the world's most sought after sour beers. Oh. Uh, chief among them is Swansea, a limited edition experimental lambic that was first introduced in 2008 to taste the annual sour beer. The recipe changes every year. You'll need to visit one of just 46 bars around the world that get it on Swansea Day. This year's release, which, which Van Waugh says is not a lambic, takes place on Saturday, September 14th. The uh, local substitute that we could hopefully find here, but I never see anything from New Glarus, so I think I'm out of luck, is New Glarus's Wisconsin Belgian Red. Uh, champagne bubbly and perfectly positioned on the sweet tart spectrum, this lambic-inspired ale receives its signature hue and flavor from plant... Plen- motherfucker. Plenty of Wisconsin-grown cherries, also worthy of praise. New Belgium's La Folie. I think that I might be a little bit more apt to find. And if you can grab it, anything from Allagash's Cool Ship series. So I'll have to keep an eye out for those, too. Because, you know me, I love my tart beers. Uh, So I will get into closing out the new beer releases here. I'll kind of race through these because I don't want to waste too much time. Victory Brewing Winter Cheers. Uh, it's a celebratory winter wheat featuring both fruity and spicy notes. So a little bit different from some of the stuff we see normally. 12-ounce bottles, draft, 6.7% alcohol. Availability still to be determined. You're probably going to see it towards the end of October, I'd guess. Uh, Goose Island's Jillian to return. It was last released in 2010. It's a Belgian-style farmhouse ale or a saison with uh, white pepper, strawberry, and honey. Sounds like an interesting combination to me. 765 milliliter bottles, 9.1% alcohol by volume. It's going to be available late 2013. Another thing from Goose Island is Halia. It's another Saison, this time a sour peach one, which I will jump at if I find. It was new on draft back in May, now going to be offered in bottles. And this is kind of weird. 25.87 ounce bottles. I don't understand that. But... It's going to be available October 2013. And then Magic Hat G-Thing. It's a ginger spice ale, winter warmer. Uh, 12-ounce bottles, 5.7% alcohol. So um, since it's got that ginger spice, they're going for the whole gingerbread thing. It's arriving presumably late fall 2013. And this isn't a new beer release, but a bourbon release. Beams Knob Creek Bourbon Smoked Maple. 90 proof flavored bourbon set to start rolling out in September, achieve nationwide distribution before the holiday season. It's going to be about 31 bucks for a 750 milliliter bottle. And Beam is targeting the cocktail, after dinner, and dessert occasions with um, with that particular release. That That's one I would like to try because I, I fucking like maple. So why not? Uh, with that, 
that is closing out the show. Like I said, there is not a new unsigned hype tonight, unfortunately. But, you know, you should still listen anyway because J5 is fucking awesome. And, of course, you can check out what we're talking about in the Facebook group. Facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. Follow me on Twitter at E-D-I-C-I-U-S, Odysseus, Eticus, however you want to say it. Or the show's Twitter at MLR underscore alcohol. Look me up on Untapped, the beer drinking social media app. Alcohol by volume, all one word. Follow at More Like Radio on Twitter. Coming up next, like I said, replay of Unsigned Hype. Followed by Dutch and Royce. I will talk to you all next week. Alcohol by volume. <laughs>